from the Western Riverside Council of Governments. I'm Rachel Singer, and this is CODcast. Riverside County is home to 23 school districts in 515 schools filled with the students who will be the leaders of tomorrow. With the widely diverse student population and the always changing future landscape of work, how is Riverside County's education system positioning itself for future innovation and change? Joining us on the podcast today is Dr. Judy White, Riverside County Superintendent of Schools, to share a little bit about her role and what the future holds for the county's education system. So Dr. Judy White, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I look forward to the conversation. Awesome. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself? How long have you lived in Riverside County? Yes, uh, I was actually born in Los Angeles, California, Okay. raised in San Bernardino. I've lived in Riverside County for eight years okay. because I did serve uh, in San Bernardino County for 32 years before coming to Riverside County. So you're well acquainted then with all of Southern, with a lot of Southern California. Absolutely. Southern California all my life. Oh, <laughs> so how long, or you've had a really long career in the education field. So of all the different um, careers that you've had within the scope of education, which one has been your favorite? You know, I, I thought about this question, and the one that I'm in is always my favorite. Mm. So even though I've been a teacher, principal, a local superintendent, and now serving as a Riverside County superintendent, mm-hmm. it's my favorite. And you know why? It's my favorite because every step of the way on my career journey, I'm able to apply it now. Mm. And I know what it's like to be in the seat of a classified employee, mm. as well as a principal or a teacher mm-hmm. or a local superintendent. Mm-hmm. So it's my favorite, and it's the first time after being elected, that I, I, that the boss is the community. It's not mm. like a person breathing over my neck. <laughs> so I love this job. Yeah, that's awesome. So as, a, as an education professional, I'm sure you've read many books, many articles. So do you have a favorite book? You know, the book that I'm reading right now that I introduced to our team, Ego is the Enemy, mm-hmm. that is one of my favorite books right now. Mm. And I love Ego is the Enemy because it reminds us of servant leadership. Mm-hmm. Why are we called here? And are we trying to draw attention to ourselves? Mm. Or what is our why? Mm-hmm. And so with that, we worked with our teams to understand you don't do what you do to look for a promotion. You don't do mm-hmm. what you do to call attention to yourself, but you do it because you're serving the students mm-hmm. and you have a moral obligation to do your best. Mm-hmm. So ego is the enemy. So jumping more into the subject matter, mm-hmm. um, what does the Riverside County Superintendent of Schools actually do? Okay. So the Riverside County Superintendent of Schools, it's an elected position and I serve both as the Chief Executive Officer of the Riverside County Office of Education and also the Superintendent of Schools. Mm-hmm. We have schools within Riverside County that serves the most at risk. Mm-hmm. To give you an example, those that are incarcerated, those that are medically fragile, students who have been expelled and they don't have another place to be educated. So we have some of the most at risk. So that's a school, so I'm the, the superintendent of those schools. Mm-hmm. But in addition, in my role as Riverside County Superintendent of Schools, uh, we have the main obligation, according to the Ed Code, is to make sure that each and every district is fiscally solvent. Mm-hmm. And so we have 23 districts wow. in our, our county uh, serving 430,000 students. 
So as we look at the budget, we have to make sure that everything is being done decently and in order. Mm -hmm. And we do have the authority to intervene Mm -hmm. if uh, things are not done appropriately. Mm -hmm. It's our role also to make sure that they never, the school districts never run out of money. Mm -hmm. And that means that if we see that they can't be physically solvent for three years, then we have to do due diligence in terms of uh, accountability, even to the place where if they can't be physically solvent for one year out, we have the authority to go in and stop their spending Mm -hmm. and say, no, you can only spend on what we agree on. Mm -hmm. So it is uh, the fiscal responsibility. Mm -hmm. Now, the county office as a whole also has appellate uh, responsibilities. If a student wants to go to a, a different district and they've been denied at the local level, they can appeal and our board can listen to their concerns and make, and actually uh, override the decision that was made locally. Mm-hmm. They also are an appellate body for um, expulsions. Mm-hmm. A student may have been expelled and they felt that something in due process was not correct. They can appeal to our board and our board can overturn an expulsion. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other main area has to do with um, the charter schools. Mm-hmm. If a charter school applies to the local and the local denies it, if they felt that they've met all the elements, they can actually appeal to our, our county board mm-hmm. and the county board can approve it, but then it becomes a county board uh, charter school. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the functions and the main part of the job that I love the most is meeting with the superintendents. Mm-hmm. So we have 23 superintendents that I meet with uh, on a monthly basis and we talk about some of the new laws, but we mm-hmm. also talk about sharing best practices mm-hmm. and uh, helping each other to be strong because mm-hmm. we want to be unified as a county, even though each mm-hmm. individual district has their own board and their own bylaws. Mm-hmm, definitely. And so kind of building off of that with 23 different districts, 23 different superintendents, um, like you said, they're all very unique and different, but you want to have it I want to have a more cohesive front. So from an education perspective, what do you think is maybe one of the most important things that students learn in school? Okay, so we know the basics. They have to know how to read. They have to know how to do math and right. have science. But outside of that, that knowledge, leadership, service, and civic engagement. And what I mean by leadership, we want students to be strong enough to make decisions that are are good and wholesome. Mm -hmm. We also want them to know what their gifts are. We believe that every single student has a gift, and part of the role of education is to match that gift with the skill so that they can have a a wonderful life. The service is the mindset. How are you going to be as a human being? And, And we believe that part of educate, educating students is to help them to be service-minded mm-hmm. and to be able to know how do I give, how, how can I be kind, and that's why we have the kindness initiative. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the civic engagement, not sitting back and allowing things to happen, but being involved in decision-making and, and the politics of, mm-hmm. of uh, the country as well as their, their, their local districts and mm-hmm. their local cities. So these are, are skills that we think we have to be more deliberate about mm-hmm. and not just think that you're going to catch them out of the air, that you have to actually have an opportunity to sit down, direct, and allow them to lead and mm-hmm. serve in their own communities. Mm-hmm. So is do you think that that is implemented through the classroom, through extracurricular activities, or what, what does that look like? It's a combination. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of what happens in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I can give you an example about it. I was walking through a, a district. We were going through classrooms, and they went into an actual third-grade class, and they were having a debate about Jack and the Beanstalk. 
and whether uh, Jack was should have stolen, I mean, you know, manipulated the, the, the uh, giant. Uh-huh. And once he went up the stalk, was it right for him to steal? Mm-hmm. So having the kids at a third grade level debate, and some suggest it was right because the, the giant had offended him. And then the other said, no, oh. because you should never steal. But having those dialogues to raise their level of, of awareness, even mm-hmm. at an early age. So it has to be mm-hmm. introduced in the classroom. But then as students become older and they become involved in student council or different clubs, mm-hmm. uh, then you, you kind of nurture that, mm-hmm. that leadership within them. Yeah, definitely. And I see that reflected in, even in my own education, yes. too. So I do see the value of those kinds of, even while it might sound silly at first, a, a debate about Jack and the Beanstalk, mm-hmm. those, the process of how you think through something like that really mm-hmm. does carry over into real world situations, too. Um, so in your um, career in the education um, field, how have you really seen it change over the past several decades? Because I've seen several decades pass, I have seen a lot of changes. I think the primary change on the academic level has been with the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so if you take a look at what was needed uh, 40 years ago for students to be successful academically is quite different than what they're needed now. Mm -hmm. You know, now students have to uh, almost uh, pass statistics in order to be able to graduate where Mm -hmm. 50 years ago, just basic math, sufficed. Mm-hmm. So the, the curriculum, mm-hmm. and we call it the California curriculum, not necessarily core curriculum, but the California standards are, are at a high level of rigor. Mm-hmm. So that's that's been a major change. And then also I've seen a focus on equity more in um, these most recent years. And what I mean by that is that people look at data and instead of saying, okay, this is the average of how a school is performing or a district is performing, they start looking at the details, but hire students who are different by either race or gender mm-hmm. or socioeconomics. How are they doing? Or disability? Mm-hmm. How are they doing? And so there's a, a more of an accountability mm-hmm. in 2019. And so equity is a, a major issue because they've seen the gap. But we celebrate that. We've addressed it here in Riverside County. Mm-hmm. Have we solved it? No. Have we closed <laughs> all the, de- the uh, gaps? No. But we're moving forward, especially in our graduation rates. Mm-hmm. If you take a look at the graduation rates here in Riverside County, they're higher than the state and the national. When, it, when you look at your students of color uh, compared to the national or the state level, they're outperforming. Mm-hmm. And then within districts, you'll see that there might be a difference as between one and 2% all still growing, where in other places, there's a 10 to 20% gap, even for mm-hmm. just graduation rates mm-hmm. by uh, ethnicity. Mm-hmm. So equity is, is something that we've seen. And then the other piece, though, is the safety issue. Mm-hmm. It's quite different. Mm-hmm. So what was perceived as unsafe 40 years ago, I mean, there was a time when it was unsafe to chew gum in class. Mm-hmm. And you had to be, you know, mm-hmm. get a referral because you chew gum. <laughs> and then now we're talking about weapons on campus mm-hmm. and, and kindergarten students in some places having to have drills for active shooter. Mm-hmm. So that, that has been um, a difference in time. And we believe that a lot of that has been uh, affected by social media mm-hmm. and then maybe n- if we didn't address the emotional needs of students, we just thought they were going to just be strong. I think that's where we might need to enhance our address to, mm-hmm. to make sure that their emotional needs are met as well. Mm-hmm. So this bleeds into what you were just talked sharing, but um, what do you see as 
three challenges facing the field of education over the next five to 10 years? And maybe they do correspond with how education has changed over the last couple of decades. I think that we, we could if we had um, an opportunity to go in depth about safety. We could see that that's changing. We're going to have to do more to keep our school safe. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the main thing, though, has been the changing job market. Mm-hmm. So how do, what are you preparing the students for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we think about the changing job market, as automation and artificial intelligence increases and replaces manual labor mm-hmm. and data management jobs, we have to make sure that our students are being prepared for something. So what the research is showing us that we have to help them to be prepared for flexibility mm-hmm. and teamwork and being able to create things because things will be changing at such a fast rate. Mm-hmm. If they're only taught to do one thing, they won't be able to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also know that uh, a major challenge that we're facing is the social and emotional intelligence of our students. Mm-hmm. The social and emotional intelligence, because of the political climate and because of social media, students sometimes tar- start to define themselves by what they see. And they may have already done that all our lives, mm-hmm. but before we only saw a few people. So it's, it's easy to be, you know, the best out of four. And when you're looking at four million and mm-hmm. then you're seeing yourself at, well, what I don't have or my, they're looking at the lack, what they lack. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to remember that developmentally there's a, a, a space and time, especially when students are in middle school, that they're fr- trying to find out who am I? Mm-hmm. How did I come to be? And then now you have these external forces saying you should be this or you should be that you should look this way you should have that Mm -hmm. and and they almost have a stronger voice than the parents in Mm -hmm. the homes that they're living in Mm -hmm. and uh, my research on suicide it's there's a correlation between how much time students are on media and the rates of our uh, suicide rates as a society Mm -hmm. as it has increased I'm not saying it's a a direct variable uh, but it uh, or, or a causal factor, mm-hmm. but I know that it contributes. Mm-hmm. I know that it contributes, and we've got to get kids out there moving mm-hmm. and eating uh, healthy food and and getting rest. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one. And then one, you said three challenges. So we talked about a couple, and I think the last one is the the, the proper use of technology, mm-hmm. and for the students to be able to um, move into where they know how to not only use technology, but be prepared for technology uh, in their jobs, Mm because every job is going to be integrated with some type of ed tech uh, group. And and so we're seeing that this fall in innovation, we're going to see stagnation in education if we don't actually help our students embrace the technology. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. One of the, it's really interesting how social media and this different wave of how we communicate with one another interpersonally or through a digital screen, how that really does have so many rippling effects in how we relate to one another, just generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, I interviewed Dr. Johannes Munoz from the University of Redlands. He did the study on the impacts of automation in the Inland Empire. And as you mentioned, we hear a lot about how automation is going to change the future of our economy and the future of our workforce. So how can the students of today prepare for the workplace of the future? I think that they have to hold on to the human element Mm -hmm. and not uh, feel that they had to become automated themselves. (laughs) And that's going to be really uh, depending on the success. Um, Innovation 
That is, we use that word a lot, but they have to be able to innovate and to see something and say, well, how can I solve this problem? And uh, so innovation is going to be a major part and being prepared for the workplace. And this whole uh, flexibility, not holding on to um, their mindset. They have to say, okay, I thought this way. How can I think on a, a different way? The young people that I see are so into the cell phone. They mm-hmm. end, they're into that. you got to actually discipline yourself and mm-hmm. say, just give it two hours that you're not <laughs> sleeping. Like some of them say, well, I, I don't look at it when I'm asleep. But the kids, they wake up, oh, did I, I plug in my device, you know, mm-hmm. or looking at the messages through the night. Their brains are not shutting down mm-hmm. to properly raise, mm-hmm. uh, you know, properly rest and, and, mm-hmm. and be there. And the other part is touch. We, as human beings, we have been uh, created to touch each other, the human touch. Mm-hmm. And we're going further and further away from that um, as our technology increases, everything becomes automated. And, you know, recently, the California Department of Education adopted the computer science standards as an integral part of college and career readiness. So it's important that students are prepared. And as a, a county office, we are making sure that we are providing professional development mm-hmm. for teachers to help the students to be prepared. And we're making sure that the, the college uh, board AP computer science coursework, that one is, is has been increasing over time in terms of students' access to that. Mm-hmm. And we found out that when students of color actually take those classes, they do better. Mm-hmm. And so we have to make sure that every campus actually offers the computer science AP classes mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. When I spoke with Dr. Johannes Munoz from the University of Redlands, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. he said really similar threads of what you shared too, the flexibility, the ability to be creative and think outside of the box. Yes. Teamwork was another mm-hmm. um, thing that he really stressed. And I do see if we're planning for a future that can be a little bit invariable because we're not sure necessarily yes. what's going to happen, what innovation will happen, then we do need people who are innovators, who are mm-hmm. creative thinkers, who think yes. outside of the box. And so that's encouraging to hear mm-hmm. that across discipline areas. It's consistent ideas and consistent hopes for how we um, train and educate the future. Um, so what what are three of your most important initiatives looking forward to the future? Okay, so looking forward to the future, um, my one of the first initiatives that I want to talk about is the kindness initiative. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we even unveiled and promoted one million deliberate acts of kindness is because we want people actively engaged in kind acts. Mm-hmm. And if we as human beings, we decide what kind of person we're going to be. I was talking to a little girl the other day. She said, I'm a sassy little girl. I said, oh, I said, so, you, <laughs> so you're choosing to be sassy. You know, she said that's who she is. Uh-huh. I said, so you're choosing to be sassy. And she looked at me. I said, you know, it's a choice, the kind of person you are. And so um, the kindness, I want it to be deliberate across our world, but let's just start with Riverside County. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to say, don't bully, what not to do, but it's another thing to say, be kind. Mm -hmm. So the kindness initiative, we're trying to get 1 million uh, actually registered in our system. So you you see it, or you're the recipient of it, then you're supposed to go online and and we're counting it. Mm -hmm. So we're at 25,000. So you see we have a lot, long ways to go, (laughs) but we're just starting it. Mm -hmm. So the type of people that we are, that's one of my main initiatives. Who, Not just what we do, but how do we do things, so Mm -hmm. the kindness initiative. Uh, I do believe that we have to see education as a community 
um, opportunity. It's not just for educators. Mm -hmm. So the Adopt a School project is another initiative that I have. And with the Adopt a School project, we have businesses, faith-based community organizations, as well as service organizations like your Rotaries, your Kiwanis, adopting a school. And what we said, you and the principal decide what does that adoption look like. So you sit down together, you say you want to adopt, that principal says, I want you to adopt me, and then they have to decide what it is. And in some cases, there's a, a small business, all they do is go to their school once a month assemblies, give out a certificate, shake hands with the kids. Yes, we're proud of you for being outstanding student of the month. We're proud of you for doing certain things. In other cases, you have a business that wants to give a monetary contribution to a school. But we don't, we're not really looking for the money, we're looking for the relationship mm -hmm. and also the joint accountability that they will believe that we're all accountable for our schools. Uh, and one one celebration that I have is that there was a a, a um, it was a faith based organization, but they decided they wanted the students at that particular school exposed to this museum. So they brought the museum to the school, you know, and they mm -hmm. brought the artifacts all to the school, mm -hmm. and the students got a chance to to walk through uh, a museum that was created in their MU room, their multiple mm -hmm. purpose room. Mm -hmm. So that type of thing, if you leave it to them to decide how they're going to do it, but we want every single school adopted. Mm -hmm. There are over 515 schools in Riverside County, mm -hmm. and when I check with the team, I think we have about um, uh, close to 300 already adopted. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're uh, on our way, mm -hmm. And uh, but when I do the state of education in March, I want to be able to say 75% have been adopted. Mm -hmm. So that's a, uh, an initiative. And then the last one that I will share with you is the... Um, internships because I believe that students learn so much from paid and unpaid internships. Mm -hmm. So last year we did have a thousand students in the community at different places working mm -hmm. and some were working with nice generous stipends. Some were just working for the experience, but they were from uh, at the airport to hospitals to RCOE or the mm -hmm. Riverside County Office of Education Building. Mm -hmm. But the internships, I think it's, it's important for students to be able to shadow a professional mm -hmm. and, and learn their job and see is that a field I want to pursue. And also they build re uh, mentorship relationships in that way as well. Mm -hmm. So internships for the students? For students. All for students. Uh, that's what we are promoting. Yes. That's, that's mm -hmm. really exciting. I was on um, the website looking at all of your different initiatives before the podcast, just doing a little bit of research. And I was so encouraged by the video that you guys um, created for the Million Acts of Kindness. Oh, yes. And essentially, for those who haven't seen it yet, it's a video of teachers and um, teachers throughout Riverside County who are affirming their students for why they've really been inspired or what they appreciate about, appreciate about that person. And I can remember personally one time where a, a teacher did that to me when I was in elementary school mm -hmm. or something like that. I don't really remember all that she said, but I remember walking away feeling really valued and believed in. And that was enough to want to do really well, not only in that class, but in school, generally speaking. And so I think the power of verbal affirmation can go a lot farther than we realize sometimes, or we think that our schedules are too busy, but it really can make such an impact, especially on a student's life when 
their construct of reality is still being created. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, I wanted to add to that. I, I really appreciate the fact that you did go on the, the website. And so part of the role of the county superintendent is to influence the districts for things that we think is are great or, or is going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So this affirmation was really important to us. So we actually sh- uh, showed the video at our state of education, which we had representatives from all over the county. Mm-hmm. And they really loved it. And so some of them said, well, I want to do it in my district mm-hmm. with my own teachers. Mm-hmm. And so our team went out to several districts and helped them recreate the video with their own teachers mm-hmm. and their own students. And so that's kind of the role of the, the county office mm-hmm. is saying, okay, we know the affirmation is good. So how can we share that with people, let them experience it, and then let them replicate it? Mm-hmm. So we do that with reading programs, math mm-hmm. programs, professional development. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you noted that. Yeah, definitely. So kind of closing on our time, um, I'm curious, what is one accomplishment that you are most proud of? There are so <laughs> many things that I have been blessed to do over my 40, this is now my 42nd year in the field of education, but mm-hmm. I, I think what I would like to end on is the fact that I was able to find balance. Mm-hmm. And I celebrate the fact that I found balance in my home life with my family and my career. It is not easy but it has to be deliberate and intentional because you can't serve a community and at the expense of your family. So I have these family times that are sacred mm-hmm. and, and no appointment is going to penetrate that. Mm-hmm. And my husband calls himself the first man of the county. So <laughs> even, for, even for events I can't go to, he puts his first man of the county hat on and he'll go support it. Oh. So there's nothing like having uh, your children and your grandchildren know mm-hmm. that they're are, they are as important as your work, mm-hmm. but that your work um, still has a priority so you could be effective. And that's why I won't identify one accomplishment, but my job has always been to bring people together, maximize their potential, serve students in such a way that we make a measurable impact. And people have named me the history maker and stereotype breaker. That's what my nickname is for my the educators that have worked with me. And I take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. I want to make history. I want to break stereotypes. But I want every single student to know that they matter and that we will create environments where they will thrive. Definitely. Thank you so much. And thank yes. you for your 42 years of service in the thank education you. field, too. Um, we're, we're so thankful for the opportunity to sit down with you and just hear a little bit more about your role in the county and then what is going on from an education perspective with all of our young people. So thank you for your service and thank you for the time that it's taken to just come and sit down and have a talk with me. OK, well, thank you. Have a good one. All right. The Western Riverside Council of Governments, also known as WRCOG, exists to unify the Western Riverside County so that it can speak with a collective voice on important issues that affect its members. For more information on WRCOG and the COGCAST, please visit us at www.wrcog.us.